Hey guys, it's Riley here, and I'm here with the final two episodes of the Hash It Out podcast for the fall 2019 semester. I want to thank all of our listeners from the bottom of my heart um, for listening to the podcast so far. Um, You've really made this experience so great for me, and I just love talking about these topics with you guys. So again, thank you so much. As we stated in our first episode, we're going to be exploring a dialogue approach that is centered around discussing and understanding social justice issues that are related to the United States. A content warning is in effect, so listen at your own discretion. So for the first segment for this week, we're going to talk about uh, kickoff week before Tunnel of Oppression. So for this episode and for the rest of this, um, this semester, it's all going to be about Tunnel. So this week, I'm going to be sitting down with some of the room creators for this year's tunnel and discuss the process of creating the rooms and inspiration behind the rooms. For those who are new to Tunnel, the Tunnel is an event hosted by the Social Justice Scholars every November. I'm going to be taking a quote from uh, the Tunnel's webpage on IEPY's website because I feel like it definitely encompasses what Tunnel is about. So Tunnel, according to the page, quote, The tunnel aims to highlight contemporary social justice issues and to introduce participants to the concept of oppression, microaggressions, and the isms, quote, faced by numerous communities in today's society. Participants are guided through a series of scenes to aim and educate and challenge them to think critically about the issues of oppression. At the end of the tour, participants are provided with the opportunity to discuss their experiences with each other through a guided facilitation led by a faculty or staff member. The tunnel has four rooms to four four topics. Folks are led through the tunnel. Oh yeah, end quote. So the tunnel is basically, it has four rooms for four topics. Folks are led through the tunnel by tour guides. And then there's the center of hope at the end of the tour where folks go to ruminate on their experiences and their takeaways from Tunnel. Uh, The event runs all week, so from Monday to Friday of that week, um, is all dedicated to Tunnel. Um, And about, I would say about 1,200 people walk through Tunnel uh, throughout the week. Uh, Tunnel is even integrated within classroom discussions and syllabus and some classes actually take their students through Tunnel as a part of a requirement for those classes. So, Tunnel is a pretty big deal um, on IEPY's campus every November. Um, I've been through it, it's pretty pretty awesome. Um, It's pretty eye-opening. I definitely have a lot of takeaways when I went through Tunnel the first two years I was here. Um, so if you're a new, uh, freshman at IEPY, or if you've never been through Tunnel before, I highly and strongly encourage all of you to go through Tunnel because it is a, it's an eye-opening experience the first time through, and even the second time through, or your third time through, 
it changes throughout. So I definitely recommend all of you to go through Tunnel. So that is the end of the first segment. I hope I gave y'all a bit of what it is to be expected about Tunnel. Um, the second segment is just going to be dedicated for me to sit down with the room creators and give um, a bit of a discussion around what they're doing with their rooms. So um, stick around for that. All right, so welcome back to the second segment of our little episode here. So I'm joined by one of my very, very good friends here, Zoe Johnson. Hello, hello. <laughs> so I'm just going to give Zoe here a little bit of an introduction about what she does and, you know, what she studies here. All right. Um, so I am also a social justice scholar like Riley. Um, I co-facilitate the Real Talk program with me and my partner, Victor. Um, it's bi-weekly if anyone wants to come out. Um, with that, I'm also a student here at IEPY. I study communication as well as women, gender, and sexuality studies. And this is your last year here. I am a senior. I can't believe I'm graduating. May better come quick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a power move, honestly. Thanks. So you're one of also the tunnel... You're also one of the tunnel facilitators, is that correct? Yes, that is. So the second years in the program are tasked with creating the rooms for tunnel this year. So me and my partner Tia, um, we work together to create our to create our room, and I gotta say I'm pretty excited about it. So what's your topic for this year? So Tia and I collaborated together, and our topic is gonna be school shootings in the U.S. Dang, mm-hmm. that's a pretty big topic. Yeah, I think that's the point is we wanted to call a little awareness to it, um, get people thinking because you see whenever a school shooting happens, people on social media are like, this is terrible, I can't believe it, and then it's forgotten. Yeah. So I think we kind of wanted to get people to think outside the box a little bit. Of course. So I guess kind of talk about your inspiration behind the topic. Um, what was your inspiration behind it and like what led to you, what led for you to explore this topic further? So I think... So around the time that we were creating our room, um, this was during a lot of uproar because of school shootings and just mass shootings in the U.S. in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was pretty apparent that this was a big-scale issue that needed to be discussed. Um, And I think one of the things that T and I really looked at are the common perpetrators of school shootings and how the media doesn't like to address that um, and how it is an act of terrorism. You know, like white men shooting up a school never taken by the news it's oh lonely gunman oh this sad person and it's like no dude it's a white man it's terrorism it's in the u.s but you know because it's a white guy you're not going to do anything for it so i guess that's kind of a direction we wanted to emphasize with our room yeah so do you feel like obviously do you feel like this is a very relevant topic in the u.s and in other spaces yes i do i think it's way more relevant than people are thinking of Um, if I was a parent in this day, do you know how terrified I would be to drop my child off at school? Like, there's literally nothing stopping anybody from doing anything, and I think that's terrifying. And like I said previously, people are so quick to forget it after it happens, so I think it's extra relevant, and we wanted to take this relevance behind, like, more than just social media activism into real life, everyday stuff. Yeah, so you basically want to take it beyond the, you know, thoughts and prayers that kind of people like to say and type 
in situations exactly. like school shootings is usually the, the thoughts and prayers that you see on like social media or whatnot. And while thoughts and prayers for the families and victims affected are amazing, let's take action so that we can prevent it. I think if we take proactive measures rather, rather than reactive, that's the key to making a change. Yeah, definitely. And so the last question here is what do you hope that students will be able to take away from going through your room specifically? So as students at IUPUI, I know there's more people that come to Tunnel than just students, but people who work at the university, people who are nearby, this is a problem that affects us as college students. We're students. School shootings is a student problem. And if there's one thing that the students on this campus can do, it's make change because we are the ones that are bringing money into the university. Without students, this is nothing. So I think that it's our responsibility and our role to take this past just a Tunnel of Oppression room into real life legislation, action, clubs, like demonstrations. I just really want students to realize that this is an issue that directly impacts us and is up to us to change. So I want to get people thinking about that so we can actually make a difference. Of course. Hell mm -hmm. yeah. Well, great. I wish you the best of luck on your room. I hope it turns out everything you love to be. You Me know? too. Thank you so much. Guys, come to Tunnel of Oppression. I promise it's an experience you won't regret. Well, thank you so much. And that was Zoe Johnson. What's up, y'all? Enjoy the rest of the podcast. <laughs> All right. So I'm here with Alexandria, um, who is one of the tunnel facilitators um, for this year. I'm going to let her introduce herself. So, hey, Alexandria, what's happening? Hello. Hey, folks. Yeah, my name is Alexandria. And like Riley said before, I am one of the co-designers of the room that we're presenting. Um, I'm excited for the room. I know it's been a lot of work been put into it, so I'm kind of here to see what it looks like actually being played out. So, yeah, definitely. So, I guess, what do you study here? Yeah, so, I study a lot of things. So I'm a double major and a double minor, so my majors are in political science and Africana studies, and then I have two minors in sociology and legal studies. Dang, that's a lot. And I have extracurricular activities, right. so truly. Yes. <laughs> And Alexandria just got accepted to the University of London. I did. It's my second choice for grad school. We'll see if London is it for me. We'll see. Well, I wish her the best of luck with that. So let's move in right into the questions. So I guess your I guess explain your topic for this year. Yeah. So yeah, Landa, who is a co, and our project, our tunnel room is on colorism. Um, and so if people don't know what colorism is, it's kind of it's a really big umbrella what it is it's like the it's like the war between shades of skin color so the darker you are the more less privileges you have in society the way you're viewed as unattractive or or rough and tough or if you are lighter you are the more privileges you get in society because you're closer to the idea of what it means to be white and white is pure and all these things that were kind of like was told during slavery time, before slavery time. So like, if you think about colorism, it's not something that just started, just like slavery. It was like, it was, it was, didn't begin during slavery times, but it was enacted a lot that affected a majority of African-American women, which is our focus on women. Not that it doesn't affect, affect um, um, dark-skinned men or like any other uh, race, it just heavily affects the black population in total. Um, and those who are just not white play a really big, uh, Colorism is a very big part in the community if you're not white, but it impacts everyone in yeah. ways that people don't really recognize. Yeah, definitely. So I guess talk about your like your inspiration behind the room. What led you further to develop this topic? Yeah, so 
One of the Friday meetings, so we're social justice scholars, so one of our Friday meetings, we were talking about tolerance and like the about topics on the screen, and um, I kind of looked at um, one of my, my, uh, my co-now, who's Yolanda, I kind of looked at her, it was kind of like, wow, colorism is a really big issue. Um, and so we decided that we were going to take on that issue. I had some personal experience with colorism. I was bullied growing up um, in school. I was told some microaggressions about how dark my skin was. I was told I was bullied a lot for it. I was told that I was too dark and I was kind of pretty for a dark-skinned girl. And I kind of started noticing my race and how it affected people who I was friends with that were black. And I noticed that my shade were, wasn't... And not only was I black, but I was also too dark, and like my privileges looked differently from my lighter skinned friends, and so it like scarred me, and it's a healed wound. Um, but I think this room gave me the power, uh, even you know, like gave us the empowerment to like reclaim that and tell my story for the first time. Of course. So do you feel uh, this might be seem like a rhetorical question, but. No, do you feel like this topic is a very relevant topic in the United States and in other spaces as well? You know, unfortunately, colorism will always be a relevant topic unless we, as a whole, start tackling the issue um, and start getting rid of the systems that put in place to allow um, colorism to, to exist. I think it's absolutely relevant. There are still spaces that I go into, relationships that I'm in, or people that look at me differently because of how dark my skin is, you know? And like, mm -hmm. it's already hard to like live and intersectional identities, but also it's hard to like look at yourself sometimes in the mirror, especially for me when I'm like working on self-love, it's really hard for me to look in the mirror and find myself beautiful sometimes when I just got out of it interacting, meaning what people talk about how light skins are good or a media war. Uh, no, Social media is really good, at, like really big on like who's prettier and who's not. And so um, little girls, um, if you look at the news today, are told that their hair is not okay or they're told that like the lighter, um, that they are the prettier they are. So you have dark-skinned girls who don't find themselves beautiful simply because of that. And so it's our job to like make sure, I feel like it's my duty to make sure that my kids never feel like they're, at least not from home, you know. Mm -hmm. I think she's pretty relevant until we tackle it, you know. Mm -hmm. Great. And so the last question is, is what do you hope students and other people going through tunnel um, will be able to take away from yeah, this the message, topic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The message we want from we want people to receive is we as a whole human race should embrace that all people are beautiful and unique. Beauty and intelligence are not solely on the fact of one's skin shape. Black women who are all just beautiful should feel empowered and accepted. So we just want to be able to exist and people to see that dark skin are just as beautiful as light skin. It's like this shouldn't be a war between us, especially um, in the black community. We have so much issues to fight um, and gain and equity and equality that the war shouldn't start within us. We need to fix that. Um, and so I'm hoping that like also people who are not um, a minority group or a black, those who are white. I hope that those individuals come to the room and see how they participate in that. Like I challenge them, like when you look at media, who do you see, who are you looking at and why? Um, you know, it's not because our skin women are not there, it's like why are they not in the scene? What won't allow them to be there, you know? So I, I challenge them to like, don't contribute to that, um, challenge yourself and the room will challenge you. Great, awesome. Well, I want to thank Alexandria here for speaking with me today. You're amazing, Riley. <laughs> I really um, wish you the best of luck in your room, and yeah. I can't wait to see how it turns out. You so. all should come out. Right. It's next week, so all week. All right. Sorry. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, all right. Hi, everyone. So I'm here with our third interviewee. Um, Mohammed. Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today. And You're welcome. Yeah. So 
I guess for our viewers here, or let's, <laughs> listeners here, um, mm -hmm. why don't you tell them what you do and what you study and all that good stuff? So, my name is Mohammed. I am a senior uh, at IPY. I am a political science major, and I'm also a second year social justice scholar. Um, I'm also a member of the Performing Arts uh, Club at uh, IPY as well. Um, that's about it. That's all I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> and I also understand you're one of the tunnel, tunnel facilitators this year. Is that correct? Yes, I am. Yeah, I am facilitating the American colonization of Puerto Rico room. Um, uh, should I should I describe the, the, the room? Um, I think we should leave it to like the mystique of it. Yeah, precisely. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Just keep it under wraps. Mm -hmm. So I guess my first question here is like, what led you to like what inspired you to explore this topic? It was generally it started with the idea of American colonialism and the idea. It was I was thinking actually of a completely different country at that time, like in in its early stages. I was thinking of Iraq. And I was just thinking of how, even though the war is over, it's been a, it ended in 2013, so it's been a long time. But it, the U.S. is still still controls territories in in Iraq, and they uh, and they still control many of the oil fields there. So it it was just it was something that I still thought about because like even though the war is over and, and the U.S. really has no reason to still be there, they still control the country, um, and they they're still heavily involved in their political system. So it's, just, it's something I've been thinking about. Like, why is the U.S. always putting their influence in other countries? Why can't they just be focusing on their own, uh, in their own uh, contiguous territory? So that it started with that. But then I began real. I began thinking about okay, what are other examples of colonization besides Iraq? And I began thinking, okay, there's also. The islands, and then I thought about Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico was a perfect example because at that time, um, uh, I was reading articles about victims of Hurricane Maria and how they were still um, uh, uh, they were still affected by the hurricane. And some of many of them who escaped the island, they're finally coming back to rebuild their communities, which is now broken because of the hurricane, and not just not just because of the hurricane, but also because of the lack of response uh, from the Trump administration. So I thought that was a perfect opportunity to talk about, because I felt, even though I, I was focusing, initially I was focusing on Iraq, I thought, you know what, I don't, I don't feel like people really notice a lot about Puerto Rico. They, they know about it, but they don't really know about the struggle of Puerto Rico. And so me and my partner, Tiara, we, we, we really dwelled into the research behind Puerto Rico, and it was actually uh, an island that was colonized by many forces, um, especially by the Spanish as well. And their identity over time, over centuries, was erased. So, and when the U.S. finally took control of the island, they are contributing to the erasure of Puerto Rican identity. Um, uh, so that was something that I really wanted to have IPY students be exposed to. We could probably, like, you know, we could probably say, like, we can tie it back to, like, you know, the Philippines and, you know, mm -hmm. all these other islands that the U.S. had colonized during um, its tenure during the, like, eight, like 19th century. Yeah. And then going into the 20th century, you know, being heavily involved in Cold War propaganda tactics, you know. Precisely, yeah, yeah. And that just kind of furthered, like, U.S. imperialism and colonization. Mm -hmm. So, um... This may seem like an, another rhetorical question, yeah. but for probably folks who probably don't know anything about this topic, do you feel like this 
topic is pretty relevant in the United States right now. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because even though Puerto Ricans are still living, many Puerto Ricans are still living in, uh, in, 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 in poverty, which is mostly a response due to the hurricane and the lack of, uh, of, of, of a response from the U.S. government. But they also feel like, and this relates even, even to elections, a lot of Puerto Ricans feel like they don't have as much autonomy as other supposed territories of the U.S., like states, for example. Um, and they, they feel that the U.S. controls them, but they don't even have autonomy over, over their own island. And so my last question, um, what do you hope that folks going through tunnel will be able to take away from your room specifically? Really, it's all about awareness. Awareness is the first step to everything, especially when it comes to social justice, is you are exposed to the issue. That's the first thing. And then awareness has many, has many facets, but you are exposed to the issue, and then you ask yourself, okay, what else do I need to know about this issue? And so I hope my room would first expose the issue of the American colonization of Puerto Rico, but also I want the people to look, to understand the topic, and then really think about it and then actually debrief about it later on in the week or how or however long and i want them to ask the question okay the next question is what can i do which leads to the next stage of advocacy i can never pronounce that word (laughs) advocacy um which of course then leads to the third step which is action of course so um my my hope is that my room will give that exposure and really ignite what could be later uh, uh, full-on activism. Absolutely. For the Puerto Rican community, of course. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Riley. I appreciate it. And that was Mohammed. All right, everyone. So I'm here with our final interviewee, Oceanique. Hi, Oceanique. How you doing? Hi, I'm doing pretty good. All right, so I guess, Oceanique, why don't you tell our listeners here what you do on campus and what do you study? Just a brief introduction. Uh, I study media and public affairs with a certificate in public relations. Um, and I pretty much do social justice uh, education. I'm the marketing scholar. And then I also have an internship with an O'Neill for the nonprofit expo. Awesome. That sounds pretty cool. <laughs> so I also understand that you're one of the tunnel room facilitators this year. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, that is correct. Um, I wrote the script for criminalization of homelessness. Awesome. Yeah. And as uh, some of my listeners um, already know, I already did an episode on uh, gentrification and housing justice in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And I kind of touched on um, ha- um, homelessness and how it kind of affects Indianapolis today. Um, Oceanique, what kind of like led you to be inspired by this topic and like what made you want to be more, delve, this, delve into this topic more further? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, for our last year planning tunnel, we kind of were just all in a room and we kind of just, you know, brainstormed some ideas and that was just one of the final things. Um, at first, like, I think it's an extremely important topic, but I did not want to talk about it myself because I have been homeless before, and so it was just more of a touchier subject for me. But I'm actually glad that I did in the end because I think it's something that's not really talked about. Like, we talk about homelessness, but we don't really talk about, like, the criminalization of um, homeless individuals. It's always just more of, like, like, we don't think about, like, how different policies on the street or um, just how, like, 
even our police um, department really enforces like these different laws and they kind of criminalize homeless people who kind of have nowhere else to go or are devoid of resources, even though we have resources, but they're kind of like, you know, they're being used. Yeah. Um, so I guess my next question is like, I know this may seem like a very rhetorical question, but um, do you feel like this topic, in your own opinion, do you feel like this topic is very relevant to the United States as a whole, as in as in within other spaces? Uh, definitely. I would. Um, so within my research, because I worked with PPI, which is the Public uh, Policy Institute that we have here on campus. Well, they're also at. I don't know if they're just local to campus, but they do all kinds of Marion County work. But just looking at that and then looking at like police records, um, most people in there, they don't have an address like assigned, like they don't have an address or anything like where they go back to. You can see all this um, on any public like records that we have for um, the county. And like they don't have an address. And so you can kind of see like the trends of how homeless individuals are impacted and like how they kind of build that record and how they are criminalized. So I definitely think it's an important topic, especially central to Marion County, because we actually, um, when police departments are trying to meet quotas, they do start to just lock up um, homeless individuals. Mm -hmm. And so my final question is, um, what do you hope folks will be able to when they're going through your room and going through tunnel what do you feel like how what do you feel like they're going to be able to take away from it um i hope that they take away that there are so many policies that are put in place that we don't think of just because they don't impact us at the time so say something like pandering or panhandling so we see that as like a nuisance like we're like ah, i don't want this person asking me for money or whatever but when you kind of escalate a situation like that, that person can then go to jail and are, we don't know how many times they've been to jail or they can have like an outstanding um, fine and just different things. So like the, I, was it last year? Was it last year, year, the year before we had, um, it was raised up in um, Congress and stuff to see if we would be passing the sit, no sit, no lie ordinance. Mm-hmm. Uh, it did not pass here in Indianapolis, but it's just like, that's something that's really important that I wouldn't even thought of just because I lived on campus, you know, I'm a college student, but there are college students that are experiencing homelessness and that could have very well been them not being able to, be, you know, sleep wherever they can because of the fact that, you know, an ordinance had passed and uh, it's seen that we have resources, mm-hmm. but shelters actually fill up rather quickly. So, yeah, great, definitely. Well, I wish you the best of luck with your room. I hope it's awesome. I'm sure it's gonna be awesome. So that was Oceanique, y'all. Thank <laughs> you so much, Oceanique. Thank you for having me. Of course. So I want to thank everyone for tuning in to this week's Hash It Out podcast episode. Check back here in two weeks to uh, listen to the next episode. Until then, stay informed and fight the good fight, folks. I will see y'all later.